Lift your hand towards Neil. Let's just pray. We want to hear the word of the Lord, don't we, today? Thank you, God. Lord, we thank you that you anointed this man to preach your word. God, I pray now, come again. I pray you'll take his words, Lord. You'll, Lord, plant them in our hearts that we might hear you. Lord, we might be changed by you. Lord, we might agree with you. God, I pray you'll come, Lord. Deal with any offense in us, Lord, as uh, Neil preaches, that, God, we might, Lord, just line up with your word. Lord, and be obedient to your word, to do your word, Lord. God, I pray. So come on, Neil, now as he comes to bring your word to us, Lord. I pray let the fire of God come on him as he speaks in Jesus' name. Amen. Morning. I wonder what you think when you think of us as elders. Um, I know that some of you think that we are either Superman, Batman, or Spider-Man, and that... uh, when things go wrong, we kind of disappear into a telephone kiosk and come out with a big S on our shirts or whatever and sort everything out. But no, seriously, um, Peter spoke last week about in Acts, when the, when the church was just beginning to evolve, how did the church start? How did they deal with leadership? How did they deal with who runs the church and so forth? And I want to look at that a little bit today. Um, And I want to look at our church as well. And I want to tell you, because things have changed this year. Last year, Dave was the lead elder and we were the elders underneath Dave. That's changed now because Dave is doing different stuff. So it is the three stooges now, or the three musketeers. Whatever you want, it's us three who are the elders. What does that mean? What is an elder? Lots of you come from different streams within the church. Maybe you come from the Church of England, and uh, there's a different kind of leadership role in those churches. Some of you come from different free churches. Maybe they have ministers, pastors, uh, evangelists, teachers, prophets, deacons. Where does elders sit in all that? I was doing a reference for somebody the other day, and um, I had to sign it as an elder. And I suddenly thought, I wonder if the person getting this letter actually thinks, what on earth is an elder? Is he over 60? No, I'm not over 60, by the way. You know, is he an older person? Does he have some gravitas? What is it all about? So I want to kind of try and unpick that a little bit today. Um, Who we are as elders, what our motivation is, and what you should expect from us as elders. And, And this is the good bit what we should expect from you. (sighs) That comes at the end. But I just want to try, that's what I want to try and do today. Now, Peter spoke last Sunday, and I listened to it as I was driving down to London. Brilliant. Really good talk, really blessed me. And so much of what I wanted to say, he's already said, which is typical. But the thing that really spoke to me initially about what he brought last week was the fact that we are no we are not special elders are not special all right you have to understand that we are all the same we are all sinners saved by grace we are not more spiritual than you. We don't have a hotline to God that we can pick up the bat phone and hear exactly what God is saying. It's not like that. My walk with God is just as important as your walk with God. 
Okay, that's really important for us to understand. I want us to watch a little video. Sorry. Where's the sound? I am middle class. Can you start it again? I look down on him because I am upper class. I look up to him because he is upper class. But I look down on him because he is lower class. <laughs> I am middle class. <laughs> I know my place. <laughs> I look up to them both. But I don't look up to him as much as I look up to him. Because <laughs> he has got innate breeding. I have got innate breeding, but I have not got any money. <laughs> so sometimes I look up to him. I still look up to him because although I have money, I am vulgar. <laughs> but I'm not as vulgar as him, so I still look down on him. I know my place. <laughs> okay, really famous sketch that. And uh, obviously, that is talking about class distinction, but actually. I think in the church, there are people that say, I know my place. I look up to him, and I look up even more to him. And that is wrong thinking. That is the enemy telling you what your place is. And that's really important for us to nail this morning. I remember when I became an elder. I used to refer to myself as the junior elder. Because there was Dave and Phil, and then there was me. And I remember Phil taking me to one side, and he said, there's no such thing as a junior elder. You're either an elder or you're not. And he was absolutely right, because actually that was in my thinking, that I was the new boy, and I was the kind of junior. But immediately you do that, you put yourself into a position where... You're less than the other two. So I was exactly the same as that. I was looking up to Phil, and then it was even looking more up to Dave. So Dave's the holiest, then Phil's a little bit less holy, and then I'm a little bit less holy, and then the rest of you, you know your place. <laughs> that thinking, we've got to get rid of that. You know, the enemy attacks us just as much as he attacks you. There are days when I wonder if I'm a Christian. Now, should I feel like that as an elder? Maybe you think I shouldn't. But that's the truth of the situation. There are days when I let the Lord down big time. And I let myself down. But it doesn't take away from the fact that actually God has given me a position. And it's not a position that I wanted to take with both hands and give myself a name. It's like, I'm a B.Ed., okay? 
So sometimes I get letters and it says, Neil Garrett, B. Ed. And I hate that. What's a B. Ed? It's a Bachelor of Education anyway. It's a teaching degree. But I would never write a letter and say, Neil Garrett, B. Ed, or BSC, or whatever it is you are. I'm sure John's a BSC, and some of you are BAs and stuff like that. But I would never write a letter like that. And I would never write a letter saying, Neil Garrett, Elder. I would if I was doing a reference, but I wouldn't if I was writing to you or speaking to you or anything. It's just, it's not about position. Who said this? As a leader, I'm not any more important a part of the church than you are. You're all equally important, and yet some of you feel a bit less equal. God does not speak to me less clearly than he does to you. God does not love you more than he loves me, or me more than he loves you. Who said that? It's a doctor something. Have a guess. Dr. Peter Williams, yes! (laughs) Last week! You weren't listening, were you? None of you. (laughs) Well done, Den. House point for Den. Good eldership material over there. (laughs) Last week, Peter Williams. That's what he said. I was so taken with it, I wrote it down. Not while I was driving, but later. And it's true. And we have to get that into our understanding. So that's where I want to start. So what, in the, in the uh, Acts of the Apostles, what happened? How did they start this governance of church? How did they start elders? What is it all about? Let's look at that a little bit. Acts 14.23 says, When they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So elders, or overseers as they were sometimes called, were to lead, to teach, and to care for, and to protect the early church. And it's exactly the same today. Those things are really important. Lead, teach, care for, and protect. And Paul talks of the role of an elder in Acts 20, verse 28. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So that is one of our primary roles, is to care for the church, to protect the church. Now, Paul talks about the qualities of an elder, and I don't really want to go into these in huge detail this morning. We have spoken about this before. You can read them. Uh, Titus 1, verse 5 to 9. 1 Peter 5, verse 1 to 3. 1 Timothy 3, verse 2 to 7. They give the qualities of an elder. So, I'll just give you some of them because it's important that you understand what the qualities are. The qualities are not that they have charisma or that they're a good preacher or they move in the gifts of the Spirit or they have a lot of money or they're very intelligent. Those are not the criteria. Sorry? Or what? (laughs) You knew that. That's good. Okay, so what are the criteria? Well, they're all about character. So the character is they should be above reproach. The husband of one wife. I'm presuming that means at the same time. Not arrogant or quick-tempered, a drunkard or violent, not greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, 
upright, holy and disciplined. They must hold firm to the word of God and be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and rebuke those who contradict it, e.g. protection. So those are some of the things that we're talking about and they are to do with character. And it's character that is the most important thing. It's really the key. 1 Peter 5 verse 3 says, Shepherd the flock, exercise oversight, not domineering over them in your charge, but being examples. I can't read my own writing. But being examples and clothe yourself with humility. Okay, let's read that again. Shepherd the flock, exercise oversight, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples, clothe yourselves with humility. That is the key. Elders, clothe yourselves with humility. We are to, we are to serve you with humility. We are to protect the church. We are to encourage you and have a servant heart. That is where humility comes in. Having a servant heart is key. I remember many years ago, um, my father was a minister, as you know, and he had a friend called Derek Brown who ran King's Church in Aldershot. And I don't know if any of you know about that, but what they did was they bought the cinema in Aldershot and turned it into a church. And this was one of the first times this had ever happened in the UK. And it was quite a big church, and Derek Brown was a very charismatic leader. And he told the story of how he had an assistant for the first time, the first kind of elder or assistant pastor that he'd had with him. And uh, the assistant pastor came on the first day. And uh, he thought, great, it's my first day in the job. What are we going to do? We're going to get down and read the word together. We're going to pray. You know, we're going to get into some meaty doctrine. We're going to talk things through. And he got there on the first morning and he said to Derek, what are we doing today then, Derek? And he said, the first job we've got is to clean the toilets. And he thought, yeah, okay, you're having me on. He said, well, what are we really doing? He said, well, no, that's what we're doing. We're cleaning the toilets. And he said, well, why are we cleaning the toilets? He said, because it's a job that has to be done. I never think we're too good to not do that job. That is serving with humility. I like that. That speaks to me. I don't want to think I'm too good to do a job like that or to drive the van and pick up the PA equipment or to lug it here or lug it there or lug it back afterwards even though it's late. I don't ever want to feel I'm too good to do that because that's not what it's about. I want to serve you and we want to serve you with humility. Now I'm giving you what we want to do and you may say to me, well, you don't always get it right. And I'll say, absolutely, we don't always get it right. Why? Because I'm a sinner saved by grace. But you need to see what my heart is in it. You need to see what our heart is in it. And that's what the Lord looks at in all of us, isn't it? He says, I know you mess up, but what's your heart? Your heart is to do it right. Your heart is to do me good. And when God sees that, he accepts you. Because it's about your heart attitude. 
So this is the key. P.J. Smythe, who has written this, this uh, book, The World Needs More Elders, which is a great little book, um, says this. The credibility of leadership in Christ rests not on the color of my skin or eloquence or gifting or charisma or any external matter. It rests on the internal character of the leader. It's good. The credibility of leadership in Christ rests not on the color of my skin nor eloquence nor gifting or charisma or any external matter. It rests on the internal character of the leader. And that internal character of the leader is constantly changed by God. That's what the whole work of sanctification is about in our lives. I hope that I'm different now than when I was first made an elder. I can't even remember how long ago it was. Three, four years ago? Longer than that? Time flies when you're enjoying yourself. Five, six years ago, whatever. I hope I'm different. Why am I different? Because I've become a better person? Because I've taken a degree or read a book? No, because the work of the Holy Spirit is sanctifying me and making me more like Jesus, hopefully. Isn't that what he's doing in all of us? That was very half-hearted. That's what he's doing in all of us, isn't it? He's changing us day by day. Less of Neil and more of Jesus. That's what we all want. Don't say it too loud. (laughs) But that's what we all want, isn't it? I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I have failings. I know that I lose my temper. I know that whatever it is your failing is, I know that. But in God, he's sanctifying me. He's changing me. And out of this rough diamond, he is making something of beauty and of value that's going to come before Jesus when I'm in glory. And he's going to say, I accept you. Because you're of worth and you're of value because the Holy Spirit has worked in your life and changed you from glory into glory. Hallelujah. That's not even in my notes, that bit. Jesus. Elders are to pastor or shepherd the church. That's what Paul talks about so many times in Acts. And actually that role of a shepherd really helps in our understanding of the role of an elder. There are four things that a shepherd needs to do. First of all, the shepherd leads. So he gives direction. He leads his sheep, doesn't he? He tells them where to go. He moves them about. He directs them and he gives leadership. That's what we do. We give direction and leadership. That's our mandate. Secondly, he feeds his sheep. How do you feed the sheep? Through the word of God through sound doctrine, teaching, and sometimes correction. If someone's saying something that's, actually, hold on a minute, that's not quite right, that needs to be corrected. A, for the person, but also maybe for the rest of that community group, if you're in a group situation or something like that. 
Because sometimes people get a little bit confused about doctrine or whatever. We just have to correct that. But not in a heavy-handed kind of way, come here, ten lashes. Five, maybe. (laughs) Not in that heavy-handed kind of way, but in a gentle way. That's what Paul teaches us. In a gentle way, get beside your brother, talk to them, encourage them, show them. Show them from the scripture. Actually, you know, that's not quite right because this is what it says. Always with gentleness. Thirdly, protect the role of the shepherd is to protect his flock. Absolutely. There are animals that come and will attack. There are things that are going on and the shepherd protects. And we have to protect the church for those who would seek to disrupt or destroy it from within and from without. So when things are in the newspaper that are incorrect or untrue, we have to stand against that. Equally, if we've got someone who's being disruptive in the church, we have to deal with that as well. Why? Because we're protecting the flock. We're protecting the church. And the fourth, caring. We need to care for our flock through encouragement, through prayer, through support, and pastoral help if needed. What a great testimony this morning. Absolutely stonking. That's us caring. Phil prays. God moves. God works. God moves someone on in their lives. Isn't that what we want? Hallelujah. That's us. We're caring. We're protecting. We're looking after you. We're trying to do our best for you. We don't always get it right. And hear that, please. Don't come to me afterwards and say, ah, but I want to pick you up on X, Y, Z. I'm admitting we don't always get it right. We're not Superman. We're just sinners saved by grace. The other thing is elders also bring authority. Now, as soon as you hear that word authority, it rings alarm bells for many of us because we've, we've gone through churches where maybe it's been a one-man ministry and it's been really heavy and we haven't felt it's been right and so forth. And a lot of us come out of situations like that. And absolutely we understand that. Authority is not to beat you with a stick. Absolutely it's not. It should bring security. It should bring peace and real joy in the Holy Spirit. You win your brother. The word talks about it. You don't win him by beating him up. You win them by explanation. You win them by showing them a better way. You win them by revealing God's word. Always go back to the Bible. Not, I think this. The word says this. Always, we go back to the word. Galatians 6 verse 1 says this. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression or sin, you who are spiritual should restore him with a big stick. (laughs) Sorry doesn't say that if anyone is caught in any transgression you who are spiritual should restore him what in a spirit of gentleness this is a direct instruction from Paul 
if someone's caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. You're in the wrong. Hold on a minute. There but for the grace of God go I. Temptation comes to us all. The enemy knows our weaknesses. And he will tempt you in your area of weakness. Have no doubt about that. If your weakness is pornography, he will tempt you in that area. If your weakness is temper, he will will tempt you in that area. If your weakness is money, he will tempt you in that area. Whatever your weakness is, he will hone in on that because that's where he wants you to fall. We have to keep watch on ourselves. We don't come to you and tell you off as though we can't be tempted in that way. Of course we can. As elders, we look out for each other. We always say to each other, if you see me in a compromising situation, come over and drag me away. You didn't know about that, did you? (laughs) No, but why? Because we have to be careful. The enemy is going to tempt us as well as he's going to tempt you. Because he wants us to fall. You know, praying with ladies at the front. I'm not going to pray with you if you're a lady at the front without another lady being present. Absolutely 100%. Why? Because it's open to temptation, open to misunderstanding, all sorts. And we have to be careful about those things. Especially as elders. Because the enemy will seek to destroy, to get in, to pull down, as he always does. So if we're in a situation where authority has to come into it, then I pray that we would do it in a spirit of gentleness. That we would love you through it. Now if that love is not accepted... And if that person doesn't accept the authority, then that's a different matter. Yeah, we have to deal with that in a different way. And the word teaches us actually how to deal with that. But it's the spirit. It's, it's doing things in humility and the spirit of gentleness that is so key. I want you to see our heart in this matter. The only time that Jesus told his disciples that he was their Lord and Master. I was surprised about this. But he, he very rarely told them he was their Lord and Master. But the one time he did, as a servant, he then washed their feet. So he tells them he's the Lord, their Lord and Master. Then he washes their feet. And he did that as an example. I, I'm sure they remembered that forever. Jesus, the Son of God, came and washed my feet. And he contrasts that absolutely with the rulers of the day. And he says this in Matthew 20. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. This is Jesus telling his disciples. Not so with you. So don't lord it over them. Don't exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, 
Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Must be your servant. We are here to serve you. That's our heart. We are here to serve you in humility. This is the key. We have a huge responsibility towards you as our church, but also towards God. God says we will be accountable for our leadership. And that includes all leaders. Why? Because we we want to be good shepherds. I don't want God to say to me, well, you were a rubbish shepherd. You didn't look after them. You didn't protect them. You taught them false teaching. You did this, that. No, hold on a minute. I want God to say, you, you know, you... You looked after them. Your heart was right towards my people. And that is where we want to be. PJ Smythe says this. And he's talking about people who want to be elders. Our pursuit of the qualification for eldership is primarily that we may conform more and more to the image of Christ, not primarily to attain eldership status. This is what I was talking about before. Our sanctification, our sanctification in Christ is the key, as that makes us more eligible as leaders. So what he's saying is, look, don't seek after eldership as though it's some kind of title you can put on the end of your name, Neil Garrett B. Ed, in brackets, elder. That's meaningless. Let God work in you. Let God sanctify your life. And as he does that, that makes you more likely to become an elder. And that's true for all of us. God's work in us, day by day, changing us, making us more like Jesus. That's what we want. So those are our responsibilities to you as the church. We want to protect you. We want to care for you. We want to lead you. And we want to feed you, amongst other things. But those four will do for a start. So what about your responsibility to us? You might say, well, I didn't know I had any responsibility to you. You have, so you're going to get it this morning. (laughs) Okay, Paul speaks about this, 1 Thessalonians 5.12. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live at peace with one another. Okay. Respect is one, not earned. Respect, lost my place. <laughs> Hold them in highest regard in love, so love them and live at peace with one another. Okay, Hebrews 13, verse 7. Remember your leaders who spoke, speak the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of of their way of life and imitate their faith. As we lead, we lead by faith. There's no other way to lead, actually. (laughs) I can't lead you as a man. I have to lead you as God's child, as a son of God. I have to lead you in the way that, that is right in God. 
The way God tells me. Same for Phil, same for Peter. And if we're leading you in faith, if we're stepping out with God and we're saying we're going for God, we're going to go for God's presence and we want more of God in our meetings and all this is based in the word, which it is, then hopefully you can say, I, I, can, I can agree with that. I can follow that. That's great. We want more of God. Remember your leaders. I believe that means pray. Remember them during the week. Remember your leaders. Oh, yeah. I'm going to pray for Neil at the moment. I'm going to pray for Phil. I'm going to pray for... Remember us. Being an elder isn't easy, actually. I had no idea what being an elder was, to be honest, when I became an elder. That is the truth. I didn't. No one gives you a book and says, there you go. That's the manual. All sorts comes at you. All sorts. And it's hard. And there are times when you think, I'm I'm just going to give up being an elder. (laughs) Who needs all this? I don't. It's true. It is hard, actually. I'm being honest. (laughs) Okay, this is one of my favorite. 1 Timothy 5, verse 17 to 19. The elders who direct the affairs of the church are well worthy of double honor. Yes! (laughs) Get in there! Get this one up on the board. The elders who direct the affairs of the church are well worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. I am getting a chocolate biscuit after this meeting. Double honor. Don't give me a rich tea. I want rich chocolate cake. That's what double honor is all about. Double honor. I love this one. Double honour, to be honest. If it means double praying for us, that'll do for me. I still want that chocolate biscuit, but double honour, that's fine. Okay. I'm running out of time. I just want to read you to finish. I hope you've seen our heart in the matter. These guys didn't know what I was going to preach today. I just, I prepared Friday and Saturday and I just felt this is what I wanted to say to you. That we want to lead you with humility. That we want to lead you with gentleness. We don't want there to be heavy-handed, one-man ministry. We don't want that. We want to lead you with humility. And without God, this is impossible That's the key. It's impossible. When situations come up, we don't suddenly have a great um, revelation from God of how to deal with this situation. So when things come up, we don't immediately say, that's the answer. Yes, that's the answer. We're all agreed. Bingo. And we say, oh my goodness, what are we going to do with this? What do we do? We pray. I say, Lord, what do we do? And God is very gracious. He is very gracious. He leads us. He guides us. We look in the word. We read the word. We check it. And that's what we have to do. And that is our heart for you.
share that with you. Terry Virgo's book, The Spirit-Filled Church, $7.99 on Amazon. If you haven't read it, I really, this is such a good book. Honestly, I don't recommend many books, but this is a great book. Have a read. It just helps to understand what we're trying to achieve here in this church and what a spirit-filled church can look like. And I just want to finish by reading what he says here. He's talking here about leadership and eldership. He says, Paul, when speaking to the Ephesian elders, urged them not only to take heed of the flock and shepherd them, which we've already spoken about, he also reminded them to be on guard for yourselves, which we've also spoken about. If Jesus prayed, for their sakes I sanctify myself, how much more must under-shepherds, that's us, be on guard? In John Piper's words, brothers, we are not professionals. Ultimately, we are all sheep. We need to stay very close to the great shepherd, enjoying his smile, drinking in his lavish grace, and being diligent to embrace his disciplines and training and follow his guidance. Absolutely, 100%, that is what we need to do. Diligent to embrace his disciplines and training and follow his guidance. That's where we want to be. Moses came from encounters with the Lord with a shining face. David made his preeminent desire to spend days in the Lord's tent, feasting at his table and delighting in his presence. No under-shepherd is an end in himself or has intrinsic superior wisdom. (laughs) Amen to that. If Jesus said, the words that I say to you I do not speak on my own initiative, how much more must we be constantly receiving fresh grace and instruction? God has promised shepherds after his own heart. May we, who are called to serve God's flock, be the fulfillment of that promise. That's all we want to be, is shepherds after God's own heart. Forgive us when we get it wrong. Pray for us. Support us. Give us double honor and lots of chocolate biscuits. Amen. Okay, let's have the worship team back up. And rich chocolate cake as well, if you would desire. Sue, that was specially for you, all right? Bless you. Okay, time for one song.